Thank you for joining us on the Access Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Pastor Kurt Ames. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to chat a little bit about the power of our words, the value of our words. We're in a relationship series. So what I'm about to talk to you about over the next 20 minutes, I'm going to start out with some real practical advice just about how we relate and communicate as men and women, which is going to help all of you in this room. It's going to be real practical, maybe a little humorous, and then we're going to move on to uh, what the Word of God says and what Jesus said about how important and how valuable our words are, no matter what relationship context we're talking about. And as I was preparing this message, I asked myself a question, and here's the question that I was asking. How important are relationships, really, truly? And as I got to think about it, I came to the conclusion that relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with others is the only thing that we're going to be able to take with us from this life and have all throughout eternity. Everything else, everything else that you possess, that you'll ever own, everything else that you account, everything else is gonna fade away. The only thing that we're gonna have left at the end of this is the legacy you leave through your relationships. And then obviously your relationship with God is gonna last throughout all of eternity. That's how important relationships are. And I came to the conclusion that the relationships that we all have with one another, whether it's our spouse, our friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever it may be, your family, are the most valuable commodities that we actually do possess and have. So that's how important relationships are. So I'm so glad that you guys showed up tonight. Um, I want to chat real briefly about uh, Proverbs with you. I'm going to jump back into Proverbs 18. And so hopefully I can get this done in 15 to 20 minutes, and then we're going to have some fun. So uh, um, when my wife comes up on stage at that point, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, again, we're gonna take you through just kind of our story. We're gonna share our testimony and we're gonna share some things publicly that we've never shared before in, in hopes that our testimony and our trials and troubles and all the things that we went through um, might benefit and help some of you uh, in some way, shape, or form in any relationship that you may, you may have now or will have in the future. Um, but what we're gonna do is also ask you guys, and we're gonna actually put ourselves on the hot seat. So we got a couple seats up here. And once we get done sharing, we just really wanna open up the floor in the room for any questions. So we're gonna do live questions. So if, yeah, this is scary, I know what I'm saying. We've never done this. I'm gonna have Lindsay bring the Bible up here with her. and I. I'm gonna, I can't say that I'm gonna have all the answers because I actually, I'm kind of the prototype of how not to do relationships before I, you know, before I met Jesus Christ. But because I've been redeemed, I'm actually in a position now where I can talk to you about some things, amen? amen. So when you text in to the number, you can see them on the screens here, and, and I think they'll put it on the, on the web for you guys who are watching over the web. Uh, it's all anonymous. So when you text in, we don't know who's texting in. We just get... The text. So here's another thing that you can do. If you are just shy in public, but you have a really good question that you want to ask, here's what you can do. You can text into that number, and Nick Mayo, our ministry coordinator, is going to be walking around with a microphone, and he's going to get those text messages live, real time, and then he can present your question for you if you're a little bit shy and don't want to do it 
live. So we'll have a couple people walking around with microphones, and anything goes. So if you want to ask us any questions just about our personal lives, how we overcame certain things that we're going to talk about and go through, feel free to do that. If it's anything relating dating, you can do that. Meeting people, some of you need to just learn how to communicate, you know what I'm saying? Because, yeah, I've talked to some of you, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's all good though. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know Medea? Anybody watch Medea? Hallelujah. That's what I was singing over here because Medea is awesome. But let's let's let me get to the Bible before I get myself in trouble. How many? Actually, Proverbs says, "Man, I got to get done in twenty minutes. I got to stay on track. You guys got to keep me on track, okay?" Proverbs ten. Uh, I think it's nineteen says something along these lines where, where there are many words, sin is unavoidable. And the Bible also talks about preachers and teachers, people that get up and proclaim the word, how not to rush into becoming a preacher or a teacher because you'll be judged more harshly. Um, and I just want to say to you guys, because I know I've said things from state, where there are many words, listen, I'm a talker. And those of you who have been around a long time know that I'm a talker. And I know that I've probably said things from stage. Actually, Nick reminded me of something that I said that hurt his feelings a while back that I didn't realize hurt his feelings. And um, so if I've ever said anything up here that has hurt you in any way, shape, or form, I just want to ask you to forgive me. We good? Good? And I forgive you for all the rude things you say about me. Amen. All right, let's, let, here we go. Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21. Start with NIV. It says this. From the fruit of their mouth, that's words, the fruit of their mouth, words, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, again, it's talking about words, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life, and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's read it out of the New Living Translation. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Now, if that was not in the Bible, I don't think I would actually even believe that. That our words that we speak can either bring death to a situation or life to a situation. It goes on, it says, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, out of the message translation, I love this. Words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit, you choose. Don't you like that one? You choose. Let me pray before I go on, because I need it. Jesus, thank you so much for how amazing you are. God, thank you for everybody that showed up in here, everybody that's listening over the web right now. God, I just pray that we would all be strengthened after this message is over, God, and I just pray that we would all mature in one way, shape, or form, God, and that we just come into a deeper, closer relationship with you. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about, God. We love you. We honor you. We praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I want to talk to you briefly, and I don't know if anybody's actually noticed this, but men and women, 
communicate differently? Anybody know that? Did you know that our brains are actually wired differently? Two people know that. Okay. We're going to, I want to show you, this is actually out of the Bible. Okay. I I saw this, Dan Seaborn did this uh, with us this this past weekend. And so I'm stealing something that I just saw. So this is the male brain. I want you to take a quick look at this. This is actually somewhere in Genesis, I think. And uh, we have a personal hygiene atom. It's like right there. Um, We've got an area that, you know, loves TV, power tools, driving stick shifts here. Sex takes up a lot of our mind, apparently, so that's, that's good. Uh, we have a short attention fragment right there, and this is awesome, Sports Center. Isn't that great? We have a Sports Center, and my favorite, Michelob. We have a Michelob place in the frame. You guys get that or not really? Okay. Uh, where's the other one that I saw? No, there was something. Oh, the lame excuse gland. I've, mine's huge. Mine's bigger than that one is, and then... This is our listening particle. That explains a lot for you ladies about issues that you have with us that we're gonna talk about. (laughs) Listening particle. Okay, let's show the the female brain now. Okay, this is good. This is good. Sex particle, let's start with that. It's right there. That's, uh, (laughs) it's about right. You know what I mean? Um, We have an ice cream receptor. Sense of direction. (laughs) That is phenomenal. Need for commitment. Men, take a look at that one. That's actually really important. Commitment, you know? Rational thoughts, phone skills, and you love to shop in decisions. But this explains why we communicate so differently in every single study, uh, secular study that's been done on how men and women communicate actually shows that we communicate differently. And now, before I get into this, I, I do want to preface it by saying there's, more, there's men that do more speaking than others, like they like to talk a lot. That's me in our relationship and in my marriage. I am a processor, and I process by talking, and my wife is a really good listener. And most females, this is how they communicate. So this is, after all the studies, this is what they put together. Here's how it goes. Ladies, this is how you communicate. You listen and you talk. Men communicate by watching and doing, okay? For instance, when I was in uh, like fourth or fifth grade, I was over at my buddy's house, uh, his name is Brian, and, and we watched the Karate Kid inside, okay? The original one, Danielson, Miyagi, you know, right? And not only did we watch it, but then we had to do it. So as soon as we got done watching it, we went outside to do Karate Kid on each other. And so... He was Johnny, I was Danielson, of course, you know what I'm saying? So I did the crane. I went like this, and this is a true story. I did the crane, and he came at me. Well, we were just gonna do like shadow stuff, you know? It wasn't gonna be actual contact. And so he approached me, and I got up, and I crane kicked his tooth right through the back of his mouth, and then I ran all the way across, jumped over the crick before his dad could get me. And because, because men, we watch and do, right? That's what we do, we watch and do. Uh, Another thing that, you know, we just have this innate ability as men to either go fishing, we can golf, we can hunt together, we can go on a trip, a vacation, something like that, like a mancation, right? You ever been on a mancation, men? You know what I'm saying? And we come back, best friends, and we don't even speak to each other. Like the whole time, we we barely talk, and we can come back, 
best friends. There's one another time when I was in elementary school and I was playing basketball and I was out at the, at the point. I was running point guard and I took the ball and I was and I saw this dude that I'd never met before, but he's on my team and uh, his name is Seabass and that's another story. He ended up becoming my best friend, but I didn't know him at the time. And he was over on the other side of the court and he kind of did one of these and then he cut to the hole and I was up at the court like this and I did one of these. Whoosh. Fifth grade, got it to him, and he went in, scored two. And ever since that moment in time, didn't even say nothing, didn't have a conversation with him. Throughout middle school, we would go to the varsity high school football games at East Kentwood High School, and we'd walk underneath the bleachers. You all remember when you used to do that, right? And every time we'd see each other, be like, yeah, man, you remember that pass? Yeah, man, we were best friends. (laughs) Never had one conversation. That's male bonding, right? And you ladies don't like it because you just can't do it as well as we do. You know what I'm saying? You can do it, but it just, not, it just doesn't come as easy to ladies as it does to men, right? So we watch and do ladies listen and talk. For instance, if I want to ask Scott Smith to go do lunch, and that's what we say. We say, hey, man, you want to you wanna do lunch? Because that's what we do. When we go to lunch, we eat. When ladies go to lunch, you talk, right? And then when we get back from a male bonding experience, here's what the ladies do. Ladies always say this to us. What'd you guys talk about? And we say, nothing. And I'm telling you, we are not lying to you. That is actually the truth. You want to hear a male conversation, honey? You have that microphone? Mike, you and I are going to do a male conversation, okay? This is Mike King. What's up? How much? Cool. How you doing, man? I'm all right. How are you? Doing pretty good. Did you see the game the other day? Which one? The Lions. I didn't. I was at the Bears game. Don't kill me. Ouch. That's cool, man. Yeah. They, can, can, can you give the mic to Scott? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> How's the fam? Fam's good. It's good, man. Life as well? Life as well. Awesome. You want to do lunch sometime? Sure. All right, man. Cool. I'll catch you later, man. I'll holler at you later. Ladies, you just witnessed 85 to 90% of all male conversations. That's all it is. And I'm not kidding. It's true. The other 10%, we kind of go a little bit deeper, but that's about as far as we go, is it not? Amen, men. So here's, here's how we communicate. Listen, this is real practical advice. And I have to do this with my son. I actually just did this today. I saw my son for the first time uh, over in the nursery when my wife brought him over there. And I said, hey, son, how was your day? I don't know. <laughs> He's eight. He's eight. I don't know. I said, what did you do today? Well, we had, and then he starts telling me everything he did. Well, we had recess. I did music. I did this and that, blah, blah, blah. So ladies, here you go. When you're meeting somebody in the dating process, here's what you got to ask your men. When they get home or when you, when you connect, if you're at coffee, whatever it might be, lunch, dinner, date. Come on, somebody. Who's dating in here, by the way? Raise your hands up. Amen. <laughs> All right. Who wants, who wants to date somebody in here? Raise your hands. There you go. And some of you are like, no. Single for life. Paul said something about it. I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, So ladies, here's what you got to do. This is it. It's real simple. Real, real simple. Ladies, when you connect with a male, this is what you ask them, especially if they just get back from hanging out with the the guys. You just 
sit them down and say, hey, what did you guys do? Come on, ladies. What did you guys do? And he'll tell you all sorts of stuff. Man, we, we did this, we did that. We went hunting, man. We went out for like four hours. It was cool. It was raining. He'll give you descriptions. But if you ask him, what'd you talk about? He'll be like, I don't know, or nothing. And men, here's what you got to ask your ladies. And by the way, honey, let's uh, have you and Maureen have a female conversation real quick. I'm just kidding. I don't got enough time. So uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking, okay? I told you. You got to forgive me up front, right? You gotta... <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, some of you ladies hate me right now. I love you, and I'm joking, okay? And I'm going to be on the couch tonight, so you guys can rest assured that I'll get my reward. Um, <laughs> but here, men, here's what you got to do with your ladies, that's what you got to do with your ladies. After they get back from being with the ladies, lunch, whatever it is, dinner, hanging out with the gals, maybe shopping trip or Chicago, you know, shopping spree, Michigan Avenue. Come on, ladies. I'm not talking your language now. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. When they get back, here's what you men have to ask them. Simple. What did you talk about? But you better have some time on your hands if you know what I'm saying. And that listening particle in the back of our heads, right? Just pretend. <laughs> Because you know we, you know, short attention spans. It's, my wife knows. Man, she at home, this is what happens with me. I'm watching TV, and I can do one thing at a time. That's it. One thing at a time, and she'll come up to me, and she'll say stuff behind me. I'll be on the couch, and she'll be in the kitchen, you know, like being mom of the year with baby in her hand, like fixing stuff and cooking. I'm just like, oh, what, what do you want to watch, babe? You know, and then she's saying stuff, and I'm, it's just not computing. <laughs> And then she'll say, you're not listening to me. And so then I'll focus like, oh, I'm so sorry. Ooh. What, is, what, is it, what is it that you need to say? And I'm serious. And I'll, I'll focus. And then I listen. And then she's like, well, talk to me. I'm like, I thought you wanted me to listen. You know, and I'm getting all confused. Right, men? You know what I'm saying? We're just wired differently. But those are real practical things that you guys can do. Has nothing to do with my topic tonight. But uh, men watch and do. Ladies, listen. And talk. So, yeah, thank you. And counting, and counting, Dustin. It might even be under that, right? So here's the, here's the thing. We communicate differently. We know that. We communicate differently, men and women. But every word that we speak, what we saw from Proverbs, every single word, every word that we speak is either partnered with producing life or producing death. And that goes for every relationship that you will ever have in this lifetime. So I want to hear about what Jesus has to say about the topic. You know what I'm saying? Every topic that comes up, I need to go to the scriptures, to the gospels, because I want to know what Jesus Christ had to say about the subject matter. So that's what we're going to do right now. Matthew 12, verse 33 through 37. Jesus says this. A tree is identified by its fruit. Now, what does that mean? The tree Jesus is talking about is actually the heart. He's talking about the heart, and the fruit is the words. So he says a tree, the heart, is identified by its fruit, words. If a tree is good, that's our heart, its fruit, our words, will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. 
Now, he's not talking to you. He's talking to Pharisees. Now, if you're here and you're a Pharisee, then he is talking to you, but you're not. Don't worry about it. You're, you're, you're not a Pharisee. So don't take this out of context, okay? He goes on, he says, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart, here he goes. Whatever's in your heart, the tree, whatever's in your heart determines what you say. You've maybe heard it said like this in church before, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Then he says this, and this is very, very convicting. Uh, every time I read it, I'm convicted, and, and it's a good conviction, okay? It's, a, it's not condemned. It's a good conviction. So here's what I'm not trying to do. I'm not trying to condemn anybody in this room. I am, though, hopefully going to convict some people of some things in this room tonight through this scripture that Jesus said. And then he goes on, verse 36, he says, and I tell you this, you, now this is every single one of us, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Idle simply means careless. Every careless word that you've ever spoken is gonna need to be taken care of and talked about on judgment day with God our Father. The words you say will either acquit you or they will condemn you. Now, here's the reality, and I know this, and I'm in this boat too. This is bad news for all of us because we've all fallen into that death trap, have we not? We have all spoken careless words. We have all had careless words spoken over us, and I'm willing to bet that we've all spoken careless words about ourselves. It's interesting to me, I, I was thinking about this and I immediately thought back to my high school days and I'm from Kentwood, Michigan and, and one of the things that we just loved doing with each other was making fun of each other. And so we used to get, this is back in the 90s and you guys probably didn't even know what I'm talking about. We used to get together, four of us, we'd, we'd have teams, two on two and we'd have a SIG fest. Does anybody know what a SIG fest is? You basically just talk badly towards each other. You rip each other apart. And the interest, so we would have two on two. I mean, we, I remember being in Gulf Shores, Alabama on spring break, lying awake at 11 midnight, and we'd be two on two, me and my boy against my other two boys, and we'd partner up and be like, all right, man, let's go. You know, it was like deaf comedy jam, you know? I mean, we were about to get after each other. And so what we would do, and it's interesting, because I said so many careless things, and we'd laugh about it and joke about it, but it was usually things like about our bodies or, you know, stuff that, you know, we pointed out. For instance, I'll tell you some things, because here's the interesting thing. Words stick. You ever notice that? Words, careless words that have been spoken over you stick for a long time. The interesting thing is that I thought back to all this. I know we would go for hours and hours and we did this all the time. I don't even know how many careless words I spoke that probably stuck to them. The truth is that I don't even remember one thing that I said to someone else. Interesting thing is, is I remember everything that was said to me. Isn't that interesting? Things like this, I'll tell you some, and it's okay if you laugh, okay? 
it's okay. I'm going to prepare you. Because it is kind of funny. You know, I have kind of a big nose. So. <laughs> what? Yeah, I do. It's all good, though. I don't care. You know, I own it nowadays. But my buddy one night in Gulf Shores, Alabama, I never forget it. They laughed so hard. I said something, and he says, yeah, whatever, guns and noses. <laughs> and then, and then my other buddy gets on me and says, you know, because they say that I had a, a, a big head, not figuratively, but literally a big head, and, but my body's caught up to my head size, apparently. So uh, uh, he says, yeah, okay, head detective. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we would just, but those things stick with, you know, they stuck with me for a long time. And, and here's the interesting thing. Even things that you speak over your, careless words that you speak over yourself hurt others. You may not think so, but let me, let me give you an illustration. Uh, just recently, you know, I've been working out and I've been trying to lose weight and and, and get back into, in, into decent shape and trying to get down to, to college weight. I've been on that uh, journey for like the last three years. And so I'm going to continue on that journey. Um, but I am in college jeans, which is good. I just got a little bit of work to do up in here. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, here's, so here's what happens, though. Uh, in my house, I'm kind of like the woman in some ways. Preach it, brother. And here's how I am. And my wife is laughing already because she knows what I'm about to say. I will come downstairs or right before I go to work out. And I've told you, I don't ever want to work out. I hate working out, but I do it anyway, right? You know what I'm saying? Because I feel amazing after I get done working out. Uh-huh. But before I work out, I'll say things like this. Oh, God. I'm going to go upstairs and get my fat butt on that elliptical, okay? Right in front of my kids and my wife just carelessly, like, you know, and I'm half joking, half serious, you know, and here's what happened, though. Here's what happened, and I can laugh about it, and I'm okay with you guys laughing about it, but here's what's not funny, is that after I started doing that, my son, who's eight years old, started coming to us and saying, I'm fat. I'm fat. And I started thinking to myself, and I started asking my wife, did, did somebody, did one of his friends call him fat or something? Because my, my son's not fat at all. He's a lean, mean little machine. He's not fat at all. And so I'm thinking, man, somebody must have called him fat at school, one of his friends, something like that or whatever. And then all of a sudden, as I'm putting this message together, I realized it wasn't anybody that called him fat. It was dad called himself fat. And he heard me, and it actually affected him, and he started saying the same things. Now, here's something else. I have a daughter with Down syndrome. People use a lot of really negative words about people with Down syndrome, you know, the R words. I won't even say it. It's disgusting. I used to say it all the time, and now it's repulsive to me. Careless words that I've spoken, and now I have a daughter with special needs and Down syndrome. But I'm a father and I can tell you this for certain, that my daughter, to me, is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Now, I'm a father. I want you, no, some people need to hear me. Some of you women in here, 
who think that your looks aren't the greatest because somebody spoke something careless over you. Maybe you spoke it over yourself. Now listen to me. If you've ever spoken that over yourself, it doesn't just hurt you. It hurts your parents. It hurts God. And here's why it hurts God. Because he fearfully and wonderfully created you in his image. And when you speak those things over yourself, you're speaking death to someone who gave you life beautifully. Amen. Amen. Stop speaking that stuff over yourself. Stop speaking that stuff over yourself. Now, here's the thing. Bad news is, is that we've all fallen short of that. Every single one of us has spoken careless words to somebody. We've had words that have been spoken over us, and you've spoken words over yourselves. I get it. But here's the neat thing, is that after Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12, here's what he did. He went to a place called Golgotha, and he paid the price in full for every careless word that's ever been spoken and every sin that's ever been committed for all time. And he wiped the slate clean. And one of the things that he defeated at the cross was death itself. And that includes words. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this. That includes words that you and I have spoken that have partnered with death. They've all been erased when you say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I need a savior. By the way, how important are our words? God used words to speak everything that we see into existence. He said with his mouth, let there be, and there was, let there be this, that everything that he created, he spoke with his mouth and he created us in his image. So our words actually have creative influence on the world around us. And every single one of them is either partnering with life or partnering with death. How important are our words? God is recording every single one of them. But when you, this is the, this is, this is the good news now. When you confess how important are our words? We actually have to confess with our mouth. This is how we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Every single one of you confessed with your mouth, with your words. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I need a savior and I believe that you're the one and I'm gonna follow you the rest of my life. And here's what God says in Hebrews. Let's throw it up. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. That's good news, people. First John 1.9 says this. If you are faithful and just to, to just confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. It's real simple. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a gospel of grace. But it's not something that we just need to simply talk about. It is supposed to be talked about. How will they know unless a preacher is sent to proclaim it? But it is always the grace of God and God's forgiveness is not something to merely be talked about. It was always, always, always meant to be experienced. So if that's you, 
The solution is Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that we have an erase button? Erase that from my life. And he never, ever, he chooses to never, ever, ever remember it again. Thank you, Lord. Lindsay, I'm going to ask you to come on up at this point. So the words that you guys are going to speak in any relationship that you have, it could be with your boss, it could be with your friends, it spans every single relationship as either partnering with life or death. And I just want you to take time to think about that over the next few weeks in all of your relationships and watch the words you say create something amazing in your life. Amen? All right. We can sit down, baby. You That's got your mic? Word. Yeah. That's that was a good word? Yeah. You sure? Really good just, amen. I'm good with <laughs> Thank that. You, Jesus. All right, so yeah. so I kind of told you already what we're going to do. Um, my wife doesn't know it yet, but uh, she's going to do most of the. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, she's going to do a lot of the talking. I didn't um, know they could text in questions. Yes. Yeah, I know. So uh, I kind of roped her into this a little bit. Um, but we're, we're just simply going to start. I think I'm going to just have my wife start by uh, just sharing a little bit about how we met and then how awful some things were. It was good and awful at the same time. And then I'm just going to chime in. And then we're, I think what we're going to just try to do is hit some milestones uh, throughout our dating, and, uh, our dating courtship period and then leading up into when we were getting married, having children, and then kind of what happened. I'm so. not the talker, so you get the short version with me. <laughs> the oh, two-minute version. no, we're going to do okay. this. <laughs> and it's going to be good. Okay, so there we were. Be confident. Okay. All right. We met at Grand Valley in college in 2002. Um, it was before Easter, I think, that year, and we were both working out on the elliptical machines. Now we have one at our house. <laughs> Um, and we just started talking and exchanged numbers, um, went out to lunch, um, but... Where'd we go? We went to Applebee's on the Beltline. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um... Classic. Real classy. Keep the, it classy, San Diego. Yeah. We're going to be real up here, though, and vulnerable, and, um, the bad thing about that was is Kurt had a girlfriend... Already at the time. Homewrecker, I guess I am. You guys have got to, hold on. I, maybe we should preface this. We have a lot of new people here. So you this need to know, you need to know that I was not raised in a church at all. Did not go to church at all. Wanted nothing to do with God. Wanted nothing to do with religion. Um, so I was obviously not, I was, I was living the life, life the way that I wanted to live it. And um, yeah. So I had another girlfriend. I had a girlfriend at the time when we met. So back at, where, where was I? Applebee's. Um, so then that just started, a, we started off on a really bad foot. Um, we were sleeping together, and he still had a girlfriend, and it was just awful. Don't ever do that. Um, looking back now, it's just, we feel so bad and so ashamed about some of the decisions that we made early on, and it caused a lot of, um, distrust in our relationship over the years we've had to work to rebuild that we're still working through things yeah it it tears you apart right from the beginning um where what 
so we dated. There's a lot. <laughs> we dated for six years. Um, we ended up getting pregnant about five years in. Um, well, let's let's back should up. Should we back up? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, okay. One time I went home like crying. Right? Is that where you want me to talk about? <laughs> um, no idea where this well, is going, Chief. I think I'm going where he wants me. To I go. love it though. One time I went home just sobbing, and we I, had gotten into an we argument. had gotten into a fight um, about the girlfriend <laughs> yeah. that he still had. Honestly, and I what was, was still there uh, with what was what was happening? I'm sorry, honey. It's okay. <laughs> what was happening was I was I listen. I slept around in college, um, and I cheated on every single girlfriend that I've ever had. I've, I, I had um, three girlfriends before, uh, before Lindsay. The first one I dated for eight years, from eighth grade all the way um, into college. Uh, second one was three and a half years, and then, um, no, you were... No, I only had two. Yeah, and then it was you. But I, uh, I, I was unfaithful and very immoral throughout the entire first two uh, relationships that I was in. And um, so I was at the point in time where there was something about Lindsay that I just, I was so drawn to. I mean, I fell for Lindsay for whatever reason over... Yeah, she's, I mean, if you get to know her, you know why. You know what I'm saying? She's awesome. And, uh, but I was, I was at this, this crossroads of do I stay with, you know, my current girlfriend? But I, and I had all these thoughts about leaving my current girlfriend and, and wanting to be with this one. I mean, I, for whatever, I just knew in my heart that she was the one. I just knew. I knew, I knew, I knew, and I can't explain it any other way. And so... We, uh, I didn't know what to do at the time, and it was really, it was really tough. Um, there were times when, you know, she was born, raised, and schooled Catholic, and I and got confronted by my girlfriend at church one morning. Um, there was all was sorts awkward. of just craziness going on. So, go ahead. Anyway, so I ended up, we got in a fight, and our relationship was extremely unstable. Um, we both drank in college, and... Um, we were just up and down, up and down, like yo-yoing from day to day, hour to hour almost. And so one time I just had enough and I decided to go back home to my parents and they lived, they live um, on the east side of the state and I was crying and upset and um, I had turned my phone off so Kurt couldn't call me. Well, he ended up calling my house. And I am a persistent guy. <laughs> my mom answered and... Gave them the business, <laughs> I guess, and they got off on the wrong foot. That was the first time they had ever talked. Um, we so argued you can imagine on the phone. How awkward that was moving further into our relationship. Um, so now, a few years later, we end up together. Um, we stuck it out, right? And 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 um, ended up together, and. So, yeah. And then about five years in, um, preg we ended up pregnant with our son, Brendan. Um, Out of wedlock. We weren't married yet, not even engaged. We had talked about it, but we kept saying, we'll wait till we have money, wait till we have money. But um, 
that was really hard for me, a really, really dark time for me, and a hard, hard for me to tell my parents that I was pregnant, and they had raised me um, not to do what we were doing, and um, it was just really tough um, just to hear like their disappointment, and at a time when you should be excited about yeah. having a baby, and so... And we, uh, <clears throat> we decided that we were going to get married. You know, we, we had Brendan, our oldest son now, who's eight, and um, we just celebrated our eighth anniversary Tuesday, which is awesome. But, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, so we decided that we were going to get in, engaged, you know, and so I did it super romantically. I um, was drinking too much alcohol and gave her a, uh, uh, a ring out at our apartment in Rockford that we had and just presented it to her out on the on the back patio or right there in the living room area. And, and she said, yes, super romantic, right? I know it's like, gosh, what is wrong with me? I mean, I look back and we were talking about this earlier and like, I'm just so disgusted. Like it just, but it's all been erased. See, that's the amazing thing about this whole story. Um, but so just a real quick story. So we, we decided, we, we got engaged, and then we were going to, um, um, actually, when we got pregnant, we were going to go uh, tell your parents. You remember this? Oh, so yeah. this is before the engagement. So I wanted to ask her father's blessing. <laughs> like, if I could have her hand in marriage, you know, and, and, and Big Mike, he's, uh, he's like 6'5". And, and, and the first time I ever went to their house was super awkward <laughs> because they hated me already. And I showed up, I was like playing ball for the Lions at the time, and, and so I thought I was this big stat, you know, I just didn't care what anybody thought, you know, I'm just going to roll up in here and like own it, you know? And, uh, and, and so, <laughs> I know, it is true though, isn't it? So I showed up, and I come into their house, and he, there's like a, a, a huge safe with guns like everywhere, you know? There are animal heads on the wall everywhere. I'm talking about bear, moose, elk, deer, turkey. Everything you could possibly imagine is up there. And so this guy, is he's a big dude, six, and he's very intimidating. And so they didn't like me a whole lot, and you can, you can guess why, right? They were trying to protect their daughter from guys like me like her whole life. And so uh, I remember showing up, and uh, what happened when we showed up? Do you remember? We were, getting, we were just about to tell them, and, and your Uncle Nick and somebody showed up over dinner, so we didn't get to tell them. So then we had to come back again and tell them again, you know, like, yeah, we're pregnant. And then I came back a little bit later after, uh, you know, to, to play golf with her dad and ask for his blessing if I could have her hand in marriage. And so we're out on the golf course, super intimidating guy. And, I, I might, might, and by the way, men, this is going to happen to you at one time, right? You're going to have to pop the question to the father. And it's 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 really intimidating deal, and and so we're out on the golf course, and you know, uh, there came this point in time where I just started, you know, super nonchalantly saying, "Well, so you know that I'm in love, like with your daughter, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you probably got that by now." Um, so I'm wondering, you know, uh, I'm, I'm asking you if if it would be okay if I marry. Mary Lindsay, and he looks at me and goes, if that's what she wants. And I was like, oh, so <laughs> is that a yes or a no? I, I, 
yeah, sure, if that's what she wants. I was like, okay, cool. I think that's what she wants, so thanks, man. You know, and uh, so we end up getting engaged, and, and then we get married. So that was um, September 15th, <laughs> 2007. In the midst of that time, I'm, I'm um, you can tell them what I was, just kind of how I was living and secretly, you know. Um, so yeah. we already had one baby when we got married, and then we got pregnant on our honeymoon with Riley. Um, we found out about six weeks before she was born that she was going to have Down syndrome or she had Down syndrome. Yeah. Um, so that was a really stressful time for us. She had to have heart surgery at four months old. Um, and in the midst of this, we weren't doing good. We were fighting, and Kurt was still going out. And I was nagging him all the time about it. And just we were just bickering and butting heads. I remember one time we fought about eight dollars. We were so broke and just like that just sticks in my mind of how like low we were just um, scraping to get by and and fighting. And so one night, um, well, Kurt, I guess after we had Riley, you started going to a Bible study, or maybe like while I was pregnant. I don't remember exactly when, but after his Riley. his uncle pregnant. Um, had been doing a Bible study, and he had wanted to change um, for a long time, and he knew he was hurting our marriage, and we were hurting each other, and so he had been going to a Bible study for about a year and trying to change on his own, and one night, um, all his friends were calling him. It was a Friday night, and he just kept saying, no, I'm going to stay home with my family. I'm not going out. I'm not going out. I'm not going out. Before that, I went out on Brennan's second birthday, too. Yeah. Um, and so our neighbor asked, why don't you just come down to my house finally um, and watch the game and we'll have a couple beers or whatever. And so he had gone down there and I'm like, that's fine. You're just close to home. Not a big deal. Um, the kids were sleeping. I was ready to go to bed. And I heard him come home and grab his keys um, and start the truck in the garage. And I'm like, oh, no, he's going to go out. And so I went to the garage door to open it, um, the door that goes between, like, the laundry room and the, the garage at our old house. And I had my hand on the door, and I'm, I was going to stop him from going out, and I went to turn the handle, and I felt like, don't turn the handle, just let him go. Like, I don't know, I just felt like, I don't know what it was looking back. I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or what, but um, I just didn't open the door. And so he ended up, going out. I went to bed upset. Um, and then I get a call at four in the morning that he had gotten arrested. From me. It was from him. He was in jail. So he was okay, luckily. Um, but he had gotten arrested for drunk driving and possession of cocaine. And I had no idea that he ever did drugs ever. I had asked him before and he told me no. Um, and that was really hard for him, one, to have to call me from jail and tell me all of that over the phone. And then I had two babies. It was four in the morning, and I didn't know, like, how to go get him or what to do and processing, like, all of these emotions. Um, it was just a really, really, it stunk. It was hard. Um, so while I'm talking, I'm just thinking, I know some people have come to us and had problems in their relationship, and we love helping everyone because we know it can get better. It can't get much worse than where we were at, so don't ever feel um, like you can't talk to us. 
Um, I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone, my family or friends, because I didn't want them to judge Kurt. We won't judge you if you are going through anything. We are here for you. We know um, what it's like to struggle in a relationship, and we're here to help you. And all of, a lot of our leaders, um, we just all want to help you and, and walk you through hard times. So I just wanted to say that, um, that we're approachable for you guys. So what happened um, after I had got arrested because of my football playing days, I, I experienced some local fame and, you know, um, it blew up over the, um, uh, all the media. So, uh, you know, even if you Google me, my name to this day, you'll see my mugshot on there and you'll see probably one of the first things that comes up if you Google Kurt Ains is... Uh, former GVSU quarterback arrested on charges of possession of cocaine. And it's something that tarnishes your kind of reputation forever, obviously. And so what happened was, is it hit the media. I mean, it, it even went all the way to New York and uh, USA Today, New York Times. I mean, it was, it was all over the place. And uh, so her parents, and it was in Detroit as well, her parents live over in Monroe, Michigan, east side of the state. And so obviously they... Uh, found out about it actually through your mother heard it on the radio wasn't it oh maybe she told her first but she did hear it on the radio afterwards okay um, and so uh, why don't you take them through I guess uh, what she was saying to you and um, well and my dad had gotten a few she was ready to like growing up she was ready to get divorced Essentially, I mean, that was like the climax of it couldn't get any worse. Yeah. We're rock bottom, and she's ready to call it. And, and So I'm calling my parents for advice. Um, and my mom just, she knew we had only been married a couple of years, and she's like, just, you, you should not be suffering like this. I don't want to see you suffer your whole marriage. Um, you should basically get divorced in not so many words. I mean, in more words than that, that was kind of, the final thing she said to me one night, and then the next morning I had I woke up. My dad was up north turkey hunting, so he wasn't with my mom at the time. He was um, on his mancation, and I had woken up to a text <laughs> from him, and it just said, uh, "Stand by your man." And so that really spoke so much life into my heart. Um, just his like couple words just really breathed new life into. Um, our marriage, I think, and just kind of reinforced. I already felt like I wanted to stay. I loved him, but I didn't want to keep suffering, so I, I really didn't know what to do. So I feel like if my dad would have spoken death into our marriage, we probably would have got divorced. But just because he spoke those few good words to me, we're still here today. And it wasn't easy, but we worked through a lot of, a lot of things. And eventually, um, Kurt got saved shortly after being arrested, and then I finally surrendered everything um, a few months later to God, too. Yeah. Words kill and words give life, and they're either poison or they're fruit. You get to choose. And I feel like in that time when, you know, her mom gave her said something to her and told her to probably, you should call it quits here. And then her father says, stand by your man. I mean, those four words, those four words, and then divine intervention, 
where, where Jesus actually came into our lives, saved our marriage, saved our marriage. And, you know, that's why, you know, earlier I know maybe you were thinking, man, why are you, you know, you're in a relationship series. Why are you focusing so much on God? You know, you're not really talking a whole, you know, when I was talking about the words connect us again, because the most important relationship that we will ever have in this lifetime is our relationship with God. Here's, here's, here is the only point that I have tonight is this. We need to relate up before we relate out. Romans 11 says this, for from him, from him, through him and for him, all things. That includes your relationships. If we're supposed to bring heaven to earth, we need to do earth from heaven to earth. Does that make sense? Relate up before you relate out. Because if your relationship with God is not right, your relationship with others will never be right. And we are case in point of that. Now, here's something else. I've, I've heard people say this before. You know, I did a testimonial video here back, I don't know, you, a few years back, and they showed it in the main sanctuary. And it was, you know, the, the, the same old story. Oh, drugs, you know, alcohol, this and that. And then Jesus came in, boom, you know, and they show it on a testimonial video, and it's very powerful. And I've had so many people that have come up to me since that point and said, you know what? You have such an amazing story. I, my story's nothing like yours. I wish that I had a story like yours. No, you don't. I promise you that you don't. I 110% promise you that you do not want our story because you don't want the pain. We are a case in point of how not to do things. We want better for you. I want better for you. That's why we're here. And if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, if it wasn't for four words that her dad spoke, I'm not here tonight. Words either kill or they bring life. Those words are the reason that we are still together, the reason that we're still here. That's how powerful words can be. So friends, God's way is the best way. God's way is the only way. Amen? Let's close our, uh, our eyes. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Father, I just thank you for how amazing you are. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your forgiveness, God. Thank you for my beautiful wife. So thankful that she stuck it out with me, God. I just pray that you would bless her socks off, God. I love her so much. You know that. <laughs> Father, thank you for my in-laws who I absolutely adore. Thank you for every relationship in this room. God, thank you for sending your son so that we could have an erase button. If you're here tonight and you know that you need to get right with God, it's really, 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 really simple. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus here to die to pay for your penalty, to pay for your sin, my sin, 
the sin in the entire world. It's that simple. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son, and whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, will have everlasting life, and they'll never die. You will have everlasting life if, if you give your life to Jesus. And he's faithful and just to forgive you if you confess your sins and come to him. And he'll purify you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And if that's you and you need to know that you're right with God tonight, I'm just going to ask you to be extremely bold in front of your family here and raise your hand. Is that you? Raise your hand. So count me in. Tonight's your night. Don't wait. Okay. I see you. Is there anyone else before we pray? Okay. Let's repeat this prayer. Let's all say this together. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I just need a Savior. Thank you for saving me. I confess right now that you are my Lord. I believe in my heart that you died for me and that you conquered the grave for me. And I receive your forgiveness and your grace right now. Holy Spirit, Make me a new person on the inside. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you guys, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Here's what we're going to do. I know we don't have, have a whole lot of time for questions. Um, let's, uh, yeah, maybe leave it to, to maybe three questions. If you guys have something. Um, Nick is here. He's going to come grab a microphone. You good? All right. You can keep that one. And then Trey over here has got a microphone as well. Anybody, question? Come on, there's got to be somebody. There's got to be somebody. Let's do three, three questions. Come on, somebody. You know you got one right here? Okay, good. Is this one? trust issue with your with guys because of your past i didn't have a great past with my father he had a, he had alcoholism and was abusive to me and you are and you are having a hard time with trusting your boyfriend when he says it is a forever relationship and your father still has alcoholism and he choked and he choked you from your past So is the question about trusting God and your boyfriend because of your father's past? He didn't treat me right. Not only he didn't, he just, I just didn't have to trust my father. So I trust issues for him. Yeah, I think that's something that you know, when you got saved and said yes to Jesus Christ and when you 
gave your life to following him, you got saved instantly. The Bible says that you're translated from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light, right? But what happens is salvation isn't just a one. It's a decision that you make in a moment, but it's lived out over a lifetime. And it's called the sanctif- it's the process of the sanctification of your soul. So when I got saved born again, just like everybody else in the room, there were things that I got healed of immediately. Cocaine was one of them. But there were things like jealousy. I had trust issues. Lindsay and I both had trust issues with each other. And those things did not just go away because Jesus, we said yes to Jesus and we knew that we were right and living for him. It's been a process. And I told you even earlier that we're still in process of receiving healing. Uh, there's wounds that take place in your soul that sometimes that process is really long and painful. Sometimes it's not as long for others, but those are all things that we just continually come to, come to God with, you know, and even in the Lord's prayer, he, he leads you through, you know, pray after this pattern, pray like this in this manner. Our, our God, you're amazing. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, right? And then he goes through, forgive us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Your father sinned against you. There were things that he did that hurt you. Those are real hurts and real wounds. But you can forgive your father. You can. And you can over time as you continue to pursue Jesus Christ and just continue to trust him. The more you trust him and the more you find out who you are in him, the more that you will trust and relate to others, even your father well. That's why I'm saying you need to relate up before you relate out. It's going to be hard for me to trust It is. Father. Yep. Now listen, Jesus never said it was going to be easy. Matter of fact, he told people to count the cost up front. But he's worth it. And over time, as you pursue Christ and you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, you can get, you can get healed of that. Absolutely. And you'll be restored. There's a, a couple other questions that came in that actually work extremely well with this. Um, a lot of them are asking, so trusting-wise, in between you guys, you, you, you're talking about how it's a process. What are the things that you two did, uh, especially you, in building that trust back up? Um, you're talking to, well, both of you guys, but, but specifically Kurt. Go. This is a question for. Oh, it's for you. Oh. I'm sweating. (laughs) Uh, um, When I when I actually gave my life to Christ, and I was in my truck, and uh, I I swore that I'd never go to church um, because all I will find in the church is judgmental people, and so I would just wake up in the morning and worship God, worship God. I didn't even tell my wife that. I gave my life to Christ because I used to think that those people were weirdos, Jesus freaks, you know, Bible thumpers. I used to make fun of people that are now like me, and I'm a pastor now, so, ha right? <laughs> Joke's on me, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, I didn't tell her even because I was, you know, 
because of that. I thought that she would think that I was just crazy, lunatic, blah, blah, blah. Well, um, I ended up telling her maybe, I don't know, about a week later. It took me about a week to tell her. And when I told her, here's words that I had spoken a thousand times or more to her. Honey, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I'm going to work this out. I'm going to get better. She heard that thousands of times before, and I looked at her and I said, honey, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and nothing is ever going to be the same for us. And I know that you don't trust me right now. And I know that I've said that thousands of times, but I'm just asking you to just give me that one more, give me one more shot. I knew, I knew that 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 I belonged to God, that I was not going to hell, that I was gonna go to heaven and that everything had changed. There were things that started happening, like my uncle used to swear all the time, you know, and I used to cuss and swear all the time. And then I'd talk to my uncle on the phone and he's dropping F-bombs and I'm going, <laughs> What is that, you know? And then I'm thinking, wait a second, you got the most foul mouth on planet Earth. Why are you shocked by that? It's because I was a new creation. My spirit thought it was offensive. I'd never had that before. I never experienced So I'm experiencing all these things, and then you can... So over time, I think, and we talked about this earlier, it was just the evidence of the fruit of the spirit in my life that ended up... You know, she ended up saying, wow, this is real. This, is, this isn't phony. This isn't fake. He's on fire for Jesus Christ. What the heck happened? And all she could contribute it and attribute it to is that God intervened. And um, it was really, again, it all, it all starts with God. It, it's him. And through that, and then we both started after she, you know, gave her life to the Lord, and then we both started seeking Jesus. You know, there's this, it's, it's kind of corny, but it's pretty true. You know, like when you're in a relationship with a significant other, you know, you're here and they're here, and then you draw a little, you know, Jesus up here, right? And then as you're both seeking him and your eyes are focused on him, and you keep seeking him, here's what happens. You just kind of do this, right? Boop, right? And then you are like one, you know, Right? And that's, it's, I know it's, it's corny, but that's how it works. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. That's all it is. And then, uh, you know, but we still struggled. I mean, I, I still struggle with jealousy and things like that. Um, I'm not ashamed to, to say that uh, in front of you, but I am nowhere close to where I used to be. I promise you that. And I'm still getting healed from a lot of those things and, as I continue to pursue Jesus and have him work on me, you know. And, and one more thing before you ask the last question, Nick, is I want to talk, I want to say something. You know, you can hear this a lot. You could hear spoken in church a lot. You need to just be in the word every single day, right? Be in the word, be in the word, be in the word, be in the word. How many of you have actually ever been taught how to read the Bible? Raise your hands. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to do something about that. See, here's the thing. You don't read this word. You let this word read you. When you open it up and you start going through something, you just go until something pierces your heart, strikes you, you know, and says, oh, man, what is that? What is that? And then you read it, and this is what you say, and then you say, God, 
what is that? Why, is, why has that been highlighted to me? And how am I doing in this area? You know, if you're going through Philippians and it says, you need to care about others more than you care about yourself. Ah, that one makes me go, ah, how am I doing with that? God, talk to me about that. And then you start reflecting and meditating on that. That's how you should read scripture. It's not about just reading more Bible. It's about inviting the Holy Spirit into read you. And that's how, I don't know if this is still on. That's how Kurt preaches to you guys. You guys are so lucky. He's so real. And I can vouch that everything that he preaches from this stage, he is living it at home and it is... Or I'm struggling with it. Or he's struggling and getting, overcoming it. Usually he's kind of like worked on it for a while before he gives a message on it. Last one. (laughs) I love you. Do you want a a crowd one or I I have a few that... Is there anybody from the crowd that has one? Live? Right here? I saw somebody raise their hand. Young lady right there and then you kind of did this. You were like... You were like, oh, my hair. No. Oh, okay, maybe not. Maybe not. No? Oh, we got one right here? Okay. All right. So originally I sent this in via text, but I'm going to be kind of stand up here and do this. So um, I've always had trouble dealing with relationships, um, keeping them healthy and avoiding sex, mm-hmm. be it sexual immorality, be it sexual thoughts, anything like that. And just trying to keep a relationship stable. Do you have any suggestions about that? You want to take that one? (laughs) If not, I I can process. I think it's important um, to set boundaries if you are already dating. (laughs) He was like, I'm done. (laughs) You can sit down. Um, whatever you focus on rules your life. So if you're focused on sex all the time, that's going to rule your life. That's where your thoughts are going to go all the time. If I focus on a Frosty from Wendy's, I'm going to end up at Wendy's. Kurt said that before. Um, and that's so true. It, and it's also true, like, with your thoughts, what you think about, you're going to say. It's um, Thoughts are very strong. So focusing on other things... Um, will help you with that a little bit. Um, Setting boundaries if you are in a relationship, not being alone. I guess always keeping one foot on the floor, someone (laughs) recently said too. Um, That will help you stay pure (laughs) in your relationship. That's a good advice. (laughs) I don't know, I'm sorry. I like it. Do you have anything to add? I always do. You know, I got... um, I have few words. um, This is what I'll say to that. Um... I've had men come up to me from within access many times and say, Pastor Kurt, I really need you to hold me accountable from having sex. I'm in a relationship, and, and, and I really need you to hold me accountable from having sex. Would you do that? And I say, no way. No, absolutely not. No, not happening. And they're like, well, you're like my pastor. Yeah, I understand. But I also can only be in one place at one time. And when you're behind closed doors, I cannot keep your zipper up, young man. So how am I going to hold you accountable? I can't. I can't. Unless, unless you have the integrity of heart to hold yourself accountable to God, 
Ain't going to happen when you get behind closed doors with your woman. Men, stand up. Yeah, oh no, it's coming. <laughs> you know, here's, here's something else that I want to say to you men about lust, things of that nature. And I want to say something. A beautiful woman, even dressed modestly, is still a beautiful woman. You need to get to the place in your heart in your heart and in your heart and yours and yours and mine. We need to get to a place where we can still see a beautiful woman and not lust. Do you understand? It's not about what maybe they're, they have on or... Uh, listen, it's about what is going on in your heart. And you need to hold yourself accountable to that. I need to hold myself accountable to that. And I'm telling you, it is attainable. Galatians 5 says, if you will keep in step with the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires and the lusts of the flesh. Amen. You won't. Are you keeping in step with the spirit of God? If you're keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will run and operate your life if you'll let him. Your spirit can actually take dominion of your flesh, even your eyes where you can actually see a beautiful woman through the eyes of God. Jesus was able to do it. Come on, somebody. That's the challenge. And I charge all of you men in this room to get to that place. And even if you're not right now, that's okay. That's okay. You can get there. You can get there. Do you want to? Do you want to? We hope you enjoyed the message from Kurt Ains this week. If you liked what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at AccessROC, and be sure to swing out Thursday nights at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Resurrection Life Church.